0: Hi, welcome to episode 648 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I usually have to flush the toilet about 10 or 15 times, but then again, I do eat a lot of taco bowls from Taco Bell. On every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going on and on until I die peacefully in my sleep while laying on railroad tracks. On this episode, it's Fantastic Four volume six, number 13. Released in August, 2019. The Fight of Your Life, written by Dan Slott, with art by Sean Izakisi. So we start where we left off last issue. The Hulk, controlled by Puppet Master, and The Thing, controlled by the Puppet Master's daughter, are fighting each other, while there's only 51 minutes left until The Thing returns back to his human form. Ben is fighting half-heartedly, and Hulk asks why, and Ben explains because he's distracted by all the people buried under rocks nearby, including Alicia. Hulk is like, Alicia? My Alicia? Which gives away the scam. Ben realizes that the Hulk is being controlled by Puppet Master, and he says, I thought you was locked up in prison. Next we see the Puppet Master, in prison, with a Hulk puppet in one hand and a puppet of the Warden in the other. The warden is nearby, bringing Puppet Master a hot beverage. There's no explanation of how Puppet Master got radioactive clay into the prison and was able to make any puppets at all. We saw in one of the early issues of the slot run that Puppet Master was under very close surveillance. I guess, eh, never underestimate the powers of sexual favors. This gives Ben an idea as he's punching the Hulk. He's trying to talk to the Hulk, trying to get him to, uh fight back against the Puppet Master's control. The Hulk says, and I think this is the real Hulk talking, he says, the only problem with that is that I'm the Hulk and I love smashing the thing. He's lo- he loves smashing the thing. Oh Hulk, that's a little too much information. Ben gets even more angry saying that he's taking down the Hulk, saving Alicia and then coming after the Puppet Master. Next, we see Alicia and a group of people trapped under rocks in total darkness. Well, that's the perfect job for Alicia. She's used to navigating dark, rocky crevices. By the way, how did the falling rocks create a huge area for them to survive in? It looks more like a collapsed mine shaft and not the victims of an avalanche. That's not how avalanches work. Those are very drastically different things. She leads them off uh, to a wall of rocks and everyone starts moving rocks out of the way. Once again, this is more like a mine shaft. This makes no sense. Back with Ben and the Puppet Master, controlled Hulk, they continue to fight, and Ben mentions how the Puppet Master gave, him, gave his permission for them to get married. But Puppet Master, through Hulk, reveals that it was Alicia using a Puppet Master doll that made him say that. Ben takes the news, okay. He says, Know what that means? She wants to be with me. Puppet Master says he wants revenge. Ben says, I'm the family she wants, not you. Puppet Master really wants to Hulk to kill Ben Grimm. I feel like this, is the, this move is the most vicious we've ever seen the Puppet Master. Next we see that Ben has eight minutes left. Hulk is beating Ben so hard, the rocks are flying off his face, revealing a soft, mushy inside. It is rather gross to see his skin underneath all that rock. Ben does his best, but he does no damage to the Hulk. At this point, the Hulk is far stronger and he's really laying into Mr. Grimm. He punches Ben so hard, Ben goes flying across the beach, creating a trench in the sand. Alicia is finally free and she runs over to him. Oh, Ben! What has he done to you? She says. The the ground is shaking. The Hulk is on his way, the clock, it runs down to zero, 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 zero. And then nothing happens. He doesn't change back. Alicia gives him a pep talk and tells him he can do it. It's all about heart, which when you're fighting someone bigger and stronger, it's not really about heart. It's about who's bigger and stronger. Ben gets up and he runs toward the Hulk, he winds up with his left fist and punches Hulk so hard in the face that all the rocks on his left arm shatter and fall off. Somehow, this destroyed the Hulk puppet that the puppet master has back in prison. How? That's not how it works. That's never happened before. Also, back on the island, the Hulk falls over unconscious, and then the thing turns back into his human form, Revealing a bruised up and swollen Ben Grimm, who falls over unconscious on the beach. Once again, Ben has escaped the pressure of having to perform for Alicia. Oddly enough, we skip several days into the future where Ben is the thing again, but he's in a hospital bed at the Fantastic Four medical ward. He's got a big cast on his arm from all the damage. He realizes that a whole week has passed. He freaks out about the Hulk, but they say that by the time the rest of the Fantastic Four arrived, the Hulk was gone. Oh wait, Ben was out for a whole week? You would think he'd have, like, severe brain damage. You get knocked out for a week, your head not doing too well. Ben is like, that ain't fair. We ain't getting that again for another year. We was gonna start a family. Aw, shucks. Poor Ben Grimm didn't get to make sweet love to his new wife. How did the Puppet Master get his hands on the radioactive clay needed to make the whole doll anyway? I I bet it was smuggled into prison and given to the Puppet Master by Ben Grimm himself. That takes us to a two-page epilogue at The Raft, a maximum security prison on an island a little bit out at sea. An alarm has gone off and we see that the Hulk has broken into the prison. ...and into the Puppet Master's cell, where the Hulk is holding up in the air uh, the Puppet Master by both hands. Puppet Master... I hate saying that over and over again. Puppet Master, Puppet Master begs for mercy, saying that he will never make another Hulk puppet ever again. And Hulk is like, I know, and he crushes the Puppet Master's hands! Oh no. This is pretty gross. We see the Puppet Master's fingers are all broken and mangled... He says he'll never sculpt again. And then the Hulk says that he's not done. And then, uh, we don't see what he does, but there's a lot of screaming and the sounds of bones cracking. Crack. runch, S- Snacked. Cracked. And that is the end of the issue. It's the first 100% no Franklin, no Valeria issue. It's the best one so far. Oh, I like reading about the members of the Fantastic Four, in the pages of the Fantastic Four, and not about their kids. Overall, uh, this was a fairly decent issue, nothing special. Another Hulk vs. Thing fight. Which, if I never see another Hulk vs. Thing fight, I'm not complaining. Now so far, like I mentioned last episode, Sean Isakse is by far my favorite artist on the book that we've seen. You know, I still find it odd that The Thing didn't turn back into Ben Grimm right when his time ran out. It's not like Reed to make such an imprecise piece of equipment. I was thinking, if I had written the story, I would have had The Thing turn back into Ben Grimm and then he'd have to figure out a way to to defeat the Hulk while in human form, which would be an interesting twist on the Hulk vs Thing fight history. The ending of this issue seems unnecessarily harsh. I guess Puppet Master deserved it, but still. It seems odd for the Hulk to be so vindictive. But then again, I know nothing about the modern 2019 Hulk. Nothing. Is he even Bruce Banner? Is it even a guy? I don't know. I have no idea. On a scale of 1 to 4, I give this issue a 2.5. Fairly middle of the road. And now in a segment called Internet Reviews, let me check out what other people were saying about this issue. Dispatch DCU of Weird Science, Marvel Comics, gives this issue a 8.3 out of 10? And says, If you're looking for a fun, quick reader involving old school behemoths, this issue is for you. If you're looking for a straight up action with dynamic art, this issue is for you. If you're looking for a writer who doesn't view his book as more important than the rest, is a team player, and truly loves Marvel Comics, Slot is your guy. I guess I agree. It is a fun, quick read with dynamic art. But, is that a backhanded slam on Dan (laughs) Slot About being a company man? If you like corporate whores who do what they're told and always have their lips firmly attached to their corporate master's asses, Slot is your guy. And Sean Ian Mills of Henchmen for Hire. What are these websites? He says, it's a a fine, if unmemorable, battle for the ages. That's an odd turn of phrase. How can it be both unmemorable and a battle for the ages? It can only be one or the other. By the very definition of the phrase, a battle for the ages, would be a very memorable battle. I agree with the unmemorable part. A year from now, if I'm thinking of uh, Hulk vs. Thing fights, this would be not one that I remember. Okay, let me see here, I'm thinking. What are the Hulk vs. Thing fights that I do remember? Of course, there's the first one. Lee and Kirby early issues. Didn't they fight in a cave? I remember that. I also remember a fight in the Peter David Hulk run where the The Hulk was gray, and the Thing had mutated even further with big pointy rocks. I also remember a graphic novel with the Hulk and the Thing by the great Bernie Wrightson. That's a fun graphic novel, and the art's very good. So that's the end of this episode. If you have any questions about the Hulk, or if you, um... Huh. Wait a minute. I still have about 9 minutes and 35 seconds in this podcast. What does that mean? Hi, welcome to episode 648, part two of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I'm ready to bring the funk. On every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Future Foundation, starting with issue one and going all the way until issue five. On this episode, it's Future Foundation 1, released in August 2019. Story by Jeremy Whitley. Pencils by Will Robson. Odd. No one is listed as a scripter. No scripter. We start with a much-needed introduction to the cast. There's Alex Power, Julie Power, Dragon Man, and Professor and Marianne. Now there's Bentley23... Anomi, Artie, and Leech. You know, when I was reading X Factor as a kid, I would never fathom that Artie and Leech would still be around like 35 years later. That's crazy. And there's the Moloids, Tong, Torg, Mick, and Kor, and the Uhari, Vil, and Wu. And also that blue guy, Yandu, from the Guardians of the Galaxy, he's listed as a guest lecturer. So weird. The story starts in some skyscraper on the planet Largath 5. The surface of the world is entirely crystalline with a breathable atmosphere, but incapable of sustaining life. Someone says it's the perfect place for a prison. Actually, on a hellish nightmarish world, being trapped in a prison doesn't sound so bad. The best place for a prison is like somewhere nice and sunny near a beach where you can hear the crashing of the waves People outside enjoying themselves, stuff like that. Now, that is the best place for a prison. A place where they would really regret being stuck inside all day. Yandu Udanta, the blue guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Didn't I say that before? But in this universe, is, it, is this the same Yandu in this universe, or is this a different universe, Yandu? Isn't this one of the Franklin Richards universes? I don't know. I don't care. Yandu seems to be a bounty hunter and is leading the latest captive into the prison with a bag over her head. He gets that, he gets to the guards, takes off his prisoner's bag and reveals that it's light speed. Yeah, it's light speed. Can you believe it? Oh, better known as Julie Power from Power Pack. She has a collar on that keeps her from using her powers. Yandu barters with the guards for the price of $3,000 Is that American money? And they take her away. Still, we're not sure why she has a bounty on her head. Later, Yandu shows up at the Future Foundation's ship and tells them that the prison has taken the bait. They seem pleased, but we still don't know why Julie has become jail bait. The team seems to be working on some kind of plan. We learn they used Julie to smuggle some of Bentley's microbots into the prison, not to be confused with the micro knots. Trademark Hasbro, Inc. Next, we see some alien who, gets, who works in the prison. He's going to shave Julie's hair off. He takes one whack at her, and we see that all these microbots are hiding in her hair, and they go flying out all over the place. And the guy stops cutting her hair after one run through with a razor. So Bentley turns the microbots on, and they have cameras, so they can see all over the prison, including in Julie's cell. I can tell from Bentley's enthusiasm and Alex's disgust, I think she might be naked. I'm not sure about that. But Alex does say, my sister is going to kill you. You know, maybe that's not the kind of thing you need to tell your sister about. Oh, by the way, we saw you naked. Later we see Julie being led around by a guard and into a cell where the crew doesn't have any Microbot cameras and they can't see what's going on. Julie mentions that she's come to the prison to track down someone. How is she being led around by an armed guard? But at the same time, she has a tracking device that she's looking around the prison with. That doesn't make any sense. So back in that cell, she finds who she was looking for. And back with Alex and the group, they see on camera, but for some reason, it's not shown to us. And this sounds like bullshit, but they see that Reed Richards is being held in a cell which seems highly unlikely. They want to rescue Reed now, but Yandu says that's not part of the plan. In that cell, Julie finds the guy she was looking for. It's a young, muscular guy with brown hair, messy, thick brown hair, huge eyes. He's a manga character, really. Is this Franklin's manga universe? Julie tries to explain who she is. She mentions that she was an Avenger, really? And he recognizes who the Avengers are. Double, really? Somehow, to prove that they're from the same universe, they bring up the subject of the Spider-Man Spider-Mobile, which is something that Spidey used for, like, two issues in the 1970s. How the hell would they know about that? It seems like something that would not be well-known in the Marvel Universe. Oh, by the way, Spider-Man had a spider car back in, like, uh, you know, 1975, even though the, the timeline is screwy. So, Julie says her name is Julie, and the manga person says that her name is Rebecca. Oops. Time to cancel me. I misgendered someone. Sorry, it's a comic book. I thought this person had large chest muscles. They were just boobs. So the plan is to bust Rebecca out of prison. Julie leads Rebecca off toward the showers, where she plans for them to escape into the water system, but Rebecca has some stuff she won't leave without. I don't know what kind of stuff that is, but my imagination runs wild. Drugs, sex toys, back issues of Nightman, who knows? The power goes off and outside, the rest of the team prepare to attack. Anomi, who we learn is the sister of Shuri, why are all the people in Wakanda related? Isn't that a bit racist? She fires a big gun that blows a hole in the side of the building. Inside. Julie's flying around very fast, carrying Rebecca past armed guards, who can't seem to aim well. Outside, Alex finds himself facing a bunch of large alien creatures. But no problem. He uses his gravity powers to make them all float away. You know, in the past, I thought he had to be touching them to make them float. This kind of makes him very, very powerful, don't you think? Dragon Man is beating up some guards, and Yandu is shooting some people. Dragon Man complains that Bentley ain't doing nothing. But Bentley shoots a slingshot at one creature, hits him with this little pebble thing, and it opens up with tentacles and sucks the creature into another dimension or something. Inside, Alex finds Reed Richards and tells him that they were looking for missing pieces of the Molecule Man. And they saw him trapped in this prison and they want to help him out. Reed doesn't seem too happy to see them. He stands up, turns around, and to no one's surprise at all, this is an alternate dimension Reed Richards, the Reed of Earth 1610. By the way, when are we going to see the Reed of Earth 420? That would be far more interesting. So this Reed Richards is younger. He's got a scarred up face. And yeah, he's evil. He's got big creatures under his control. And there's some African-American guy. I guess he's not African-American if he's in space. Is there some black guy, also with muscles, he's got a big chest, oh wait that's a girl too. So that's the end of the issue, to be continued. And so that's the end of the amazing first issue of Future Foundation. Terrible art, uninteresting characters, Julie isn't as interesting hero as she was in the backup story last issue, last episode, whatever, the evil Reed Richards isn't very scary can Alex just use his powers to make him float away, too? I am not impressed. It's no surprise they canceled this series, like, after one or two issues. So that's all for now. The final regular episode of 2019. The only thing left this month is the return of the Fantastic Forecast Christmas special, which is my favorite podcast I do. If you have any questions about Bentley 23, or any of the Bentleys, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. So long, kids, this podcast is over. The cold road is all I know. The old road is where she blows. The cold road is all I know.